Alright, good to go. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensey. Tim, how's it going, sir? It's going very good. Yeah? How was your flight in from Calgary to, from Victoria to Calgary today? Uh, it was pretty good. The person in front of me decided I didn't need my knees, but other than that, it's only an hour flight, so ain't much you can really do one way or the other. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's not as crazy as some of the flights you've taken over to Japan, but, you know, an hour like that is still an hour. Yeah, no kidding. If I was in that plane for nine hours, it would have been a very different story. You'd be going fucking stir-crazy. You would have been like, that's it? I can't deal with it anymore. Well, poor Chelsea's had to restrain me before, so... I can actually believe that. Pardon what? I can actually believe that. Yeah? Yeah. I get stir-crazy on planes. You heard it here first. Yeah, man. So, before we go into this week's episode, and actually, I should have mentioned this before we hit record, uh, I just want to dedicate this episode to the life of Mean Gene Okerlund. And I was going to bring this up during top of the hour, but, it you know, it's kind of a really gray area whether or not I should have included him. Now, the reason why I originally wanted to include him in top of the hour is because his son actually played four games for the New York Islanders, so it's kind of hockey-related. Okay. Yeah. So, for those that don't know, Mean Gene Okerlund was a legendary wrestling interviewer, worked for the WWE in the 1980s and the early 1990s before going over to WCW and then coming back in 2001. And the reaction to Mean Gene's death really struck a chord because for myself as a wrestling fan, outside of Jim Ross, I really think that Mean Gene Okerlund is the voice of wrestling. And I know that people would say, well, what about Jerry the King Lawler? What about Jim Cornette? What about this guy or that guy? But for me, Mean Gene was always the classiest voice ever. And you can go into YouTube and look up some of his interviews. The one, the best ones are with Macho Man Randy Savage. I'm not going to spoil that. Definitely go check that out if you're interested. So, I, like I said, I just want to take a minute to give him a shout out because he will be missed. Mm-hmm. All right, let's head into the episode. Now, this week's episode is Season 2, Episode 13, in chronological order. Episode 41, the Craig Anderson episode. Talk. Let's talk a little bit about Craig Anderson, because for me, Craig Anderson is the greatest center goalie ever, but I don't feel that his appreciation has always been there from the fans throughout his entire time here in Ottawa. Yeah, I can definitely get behind that statement uh, because he's been here through some tumultuous years. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we kind a lot of people see the Melnick drama, the Carlson drama, uh, bouncing between being a playoff team and not a playoff team uh, from like 2012 all the way through to 2016. They see that, and that kind of gets that kind of pushes the brilliant work that Craig Anderson's done. Although, to be fair, Craig Anderson also has the Andy pattern, which doesn't do him any favors when you think of his reputation. It doesn't. But the thing about Craig Anderson, this is why 
this is what I always think about Craig Anderson, is that when he first joined here, I don't think a lot of fans really thought we would have gotten the production of Craig Anderson, because I think, and you maybe can go back and read some articles about it, but to me, it always seemed like Craig Anderson seemed more like a stopgap in goal until somebody like a Robin Leonard was ready, or when the pesky Sens run happened, you know, Andrew Hammond, and it always seemed like Craig Anderson, I don't want to say got pushed to the side a little bit, but it always seemed like they were trying to phase him out a little bit, but Anderson's solid play and his his solidness on and off the ice, which we couldn't say about somebody like Robin Leonard, who had his very noted personal problems, and I think that's why Craig Anderson has been able to retain his starting goalie position since he joined here in 2011. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, he's just one of those guys that's really hard to get down. Exactly, and he's a fan favorite, and to see him when he came back after his wife had cancer, when he shut out the Oilers and he started crying, that, that broke me. I was just like, oh, I felt for Andy in that moment. I think everyone did, honestly. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about next week's poll, because next week is Season 2, Episode 14, in chronological order, Episode 42. So we got four players on the board. We got Denny Lambert, Tom Pressing, Jim O'Brien, and current Senator Justin Falk. It's kind of sad that when that's your list, the best option you have is Tom Pressing. Yeah, well, you know, believe me, Tim, in the next couple of episodes, it's not going to get any better. No, I think we've gone through most of the usual active roster player numbers. Yep. Well, that's not true. In a couple of weeks, we got uh, episode 44. Yeah, true. That's true, yeah. So now, I mean, mo- Yeah, go ahead, Tim. Like, most permanent roster players have a number under 50, so we're getting close to running out of those. Yeah, but you know what? We'll try and, uh, we'll try and fill in that time anyway. Yeah. So now that we got all that out of the way, Tim, instead of talking about our week, let's talk about our Christmas break because it was pretty good. It was pretty low-key for me. Uh, I got a chance to go see Canada play Russia New Year's Eve in Vancouver. That was a really good time and a fun game. Just a shame that we ended up losing, but, you know, what can you do, right? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I didn't do much either. I was in Victoria for, well, between Victoria and Duncan, I was for New Year's, we actually just stayed home at Chelsea's parents' place and uh, made Chelsea's mom watch anime with us. It was really fun. And then uh, Chelsea and I stayed up after everyone else went to bed and uh, played a bit more Super Smash Bros. Ultimate and then watched Interstellar 99555. So, uh, so basically, Interstellar is... Uh, Daft Punk really wanted to make... A full feature film. For yeah, this. that was the that was the the full fe- full feature film that Daft Punk did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, part of me and was hearing that. And I'm thinking that name sounds really familiar, but I couldn't I couldn't um, place it. It's what's really cool about that album is they got basically a bunch of the guys who worked on uh, like anime classics, like Captain Harlock. Okay, and from the animation style, you can t- you can tell that that was an inspiration. Mm-hmm. But it, to turn out, it's actually guys from the, people from that project is kind of ridiculous, right? So it's not as ridiculous as say the Yellow Submarine or a film like Heavy Metal, for example. Well, I 
I'm not sure that's an apt comparison because what happened was it turned out that uh, all the Daft Punk guys grew up watching like Galaxy Express 999, uh, the irresponsible Captain Harlock, like these classic uh, space sci-fi anime, and that influenced their music. And they reached out to these guys who made the stuff that they loved as kids to see if they were willing to uh, help them with their prop their appreciation project. And uh, the animators like and directors are like, hell yeah, let's do it. Solid. Yeah, so it was like a wish come, like a dream come true for these guys, and a beautiful, like a really beautiful project for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing you didn't mention during your Christmas break is that you and I actually got together and we hung out a little bit. Well, I mean, didn't I think we already mentioned that back on the episodes we recorded while we were doing that, didn't we? Yes, we did, and and we'll talk about the episode here in a second. But you know. It's funny because we didn't really talk about after the episode was over because we hung out at your mom and dad's place. We hung out a bit. We watched some world junior hockey. That was really fun. We played some Smash Bros. We got into conspiracy theories with your cousin, which I'm just like, what the fuck is he talking about? I don't understand. This kid's 10. He knows more about the OJ trial than I do. I know. Wasn't his dad was the one he says, you know, I think Michael Stipe had something to do with Kurt Cobain's death. I was like, what? Oh, that's him being facetious at that point. I know, I'm just like, okay, I don't know what Michael Hutchinson had, not Michael Hutchinson, Michael Stipe had anything to do with that, although he is Francis Bean's godfather, but whatever. I mean, it works for us, if we're talking about what the hell, what the hell OJ dumb theory we're getting up here, I think random ass Kurt Cobain jokes are definitely in play. Yep. So let's talk about last or I guess the last episode that we did to close out 2018. And I guess the phrase that I want to use here, to quote the great poet of our time, Stone Cold Steve Austin, when he said, we were trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have it at Tech Issues out the wazoo. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like this one, to be quite honest with you. But, you know, we're getting it done, and that's all that matters. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Like, I just... I really don't get the, like, with Trevor Shackles, how it's like, we lost an account, we found the account, then Trevor's broke, then our broke. Like, it just made no sense. I know, but you know what the great thing is, is that we had a great time talking to Trevor, and we've got a great interview coming up this week with Pan from the Sens Call-Ups, which we just completed, and we're really honored to have him on the show. We've been wanting to have him on for the longest time, and we can't wait for you guys to hear that. But going back to Trevor, and personally for myself, I think the Trevor Shackle segment we did, now this is just me, I feel it was personally better than the interview we did with him back in May. Well, we finally got good. <laughs> That's true, but I also didn't sound stiff, and that was one of the things that, as I've said to you and I said on the show, that was my big problem with that interview, was that if you go back and listen to it, I sound so stiff. I sound like you could tell that I'm reading off a screen. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Yeah. But you know what? Overall, uh, it was a great way to close out 2018. You know, our retrospective was really good. And it's really hard to believe that we did all of those things in 2018. Like, when you were listening to that, were you just thinking, fuck, did we really do all those things in 2018? Yeah. Well, the big thing is just like, you kind of lose track of all the shit you can do. 
Yeah, and I feel that that's really good. And if we get, and if we do it again in twenty for twenty nineteen, hey, I think we're gonna have a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Well, at the very least, we've gotten uh, some truck recordings if we ever run out of stuff. That's true. That is true. And uh, the truck, yeah, the truck recording, we got that one done. We got another shooting the shit, which actually I got to go back and re-listen to and try to edit through because there's a lot of stuff I don't think I really want the fans to listen to. Yeah, there's also a lot of stuff that really went off the rails. Yeah, and that's the stuff that I really like because we just went off, off and over. And I feel that we should have recorded a whole shooting the shit in the truck because that's when you got a lot of really great talking points. Well, yeah, like we got cut off like right in the middle of talking about uh, a Grinch porno. Yep. Yeah, so that's about where we were. Yeah, and we got nothing else after that. Yeah. Oh, well. Yep. Well, Tim, I guess it's time to segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. Nice. So, Tim, given that we weren't here last week, uh, we're, we are going to talk about the news stories of last week because if there's one thing that I hate doing, it's shortchanging the fans. So we're just going to go through these stories real quickly. Uh, first of all, the NHL has announced that the 2020 All-Star Game will t- take place in St. Louis. This will be the first time St. Louis has hosted the game since 1988, and it will be the third time overall. Oh. Well, yeah. I guess St. Louis has been in the league for a while, so that's not too surprising. But has every team hosted an All-Star game yet? No, I think... Other than Vegas, obviously. Calgary, I don't think has. Arizona, I don't think has. Uh... Who else Wait. hasn't? I'm a little surprised by Calgary. Anaheim? Honestly. I think Anaheim hasn't hosted yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I might be wrong on Calgary. I think Calgary hasn't hosted the game yet. I know Edmonton hasn't hosted in Rogers Place yet, so... Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, Tim, you know how I always... Every time that something like this comes up, I always love mentioning it. The Los Angeles Kings did a 90s night for their game versus Edmonton when they brought back the infamous Fox Tracks puck. Oh, baby. This came after Kings play-by-play guy Alex Foss noticed the 90s night date on the promotional calendar in the Kings office during the summer and suggested to the Fox Sports West producer that they should bring back the puck for the game. Man. As much as people rip on that puck, I thought it was cool. Yeah, it was almost like watching Gretzky's 3D hockey in real life. Oh, isn't that great? Uh, uh, so good, so good. Just missing the little dancing robot. That's true, and I know that uh, the NFL on Fox has that, but no, uh, yeah, they didn't bring it back for that game, apparently. Not that I know of, anyway. Soon. Yep. Dallas Stars CEO Jim Lights made waves with his comments regarding Stars forwards Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn. Lights did not hold back when asked about the struggling players, stating that the team was okay, but Sagan and Ben were horseshit. This is weird. Like, what are you actually trying to accomplish here? Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's funny because that did seem to light a fire on the butts, but under their butts, but the interesting question is like, Part of Jamie Ben's declining production is Jamie Ben is starting to get older. That happens. Yeah. Maybe J- like Dallas has been 
one of those teams where they never bothered to build defense and then never really performed as expected. No, they've been one of those teams, kind of like the Minnesota Wild, where you just look at them and you're like, I don't know if this team is good or they're bad, but they are definitely mediocre for sure when you really get down to it. Yeah. And what's interesting about this year is you've had a lot of issues with declining stars. Like you've had Jason Spets a real he's really in the back end of his career now. Ben's starting to age. The defense really isn't looking all that hot. Goaltending. Goaltending. Which is surprising because they bought in Ben they brought in Ben Bishop to kind of shore that up, but that hasn't worked. Yeah. Uh, they tried though. Gotta give him that. Yeah, for sure, but I don't know, it's hard. Like, Dallas is one of those teams you kind of thought would be better, but isn't. Yeah, because you look on, like, Dallas on paper looks like a decent team. You're like, oh, this team could be, you know, not too bad if they play well, but they just haven't. Yeah, well, like, Mark Mathot fell off a cliff. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's like, outside of their top line of Sagan, Ben, and uh, Radulov, and then you've got, like, Marty, Martin Hansel, John Klinkberg, Devin Short gets kind of thin after that. Although, apparently, our boy Eric Condra is seeing time there. I know. I just saw that he got called up. Nice. Yeah. But it's just one of those things where it's like, he was like one of those Corsi monsters, but you never really, he kind of disappeared after being on Ottawa. Yeah, kind of like Casper's dog events. Casper's dog events was never good. But Tim, do you remember that one time during the shootout? You missed. Tim, why do you got to be so negative? <sighs> Tim, would you like me to go on to the next story? Yeah. Oh, fuck. This is another negative story. Boston Bruins announcer Jack Edwards was calling the Bruins-Hurricanes game when he made negative comments regarding the Hurricanes defenseman Dougie Hamilton and his decision to wear the number 19. The comment was not made due to the fact Carolina has brought back the jersey of their former team, the Hartford Whalers, but because the Whalers had retired number 19 in honor of John McKenzie. I don't really see the issue with this, given that when the Whalers moved to Carolina, they brought back number 19 in circulation. Yeah, it's not Dougie Hamilton's fault. If they really cared that much, they would have uh, left the number on the ice. Yeah. And in all honesty, though, I did love those Hartford Whaler jerseys. Oh, those are so good. They are nice jerseys. Yeah, they really are, man. They really are. Well, Tim, we're going to move on to our next story, and I know it's going to upset you a little bit. I don't have a DJ horn ready. My achy, breaky heart. Vegas Golden Knights forward Ryan Reeves launched his first craft beer named Training Day from his own 7-5 Brewing Company at PKWY Tavern in Las Vegas. Reeves was at the tavern to serve some fans personally from the counter. See, that's great marketing right there, man. If you can get a hockey player really close to the fans, all you're doing is building goodwill for the team. Oh, yeah. And he was already a fan favorite, so definitely good on him. Yeah. And to be quite honest with you, I, I don't know how good that beer would taste. I'm sure it would be okay. Like, they, they, they didn't really say if it was a, a Pilsner or an IPA or a Stout or what. Yeah, yeah hard to say. Yeah. Do you mind if I slip in a small story here before we go on to the signings? Yes, we can. 
on the 22nd of December, 2018, in a game against Detroit, Florida forward Alexander Barkov took a minor penalty. This was his first penalty this season. Okay. And if we look back to last season, this streak continues back into February. He went over 60 games without taking a minor penalty, without taking a minor penalty, generally playing around 20 minutes a night. Hmm. Holy sh! That's insane. Yeah. And in that time, he ended up drawing, I think, like 16 penalties. Like, that's just fantastically clean, hard-playing hockey. Yeah, yeah, that's really good, man. Yeah, so congrats to Alexander Parkov. Yeah, man. Let's head on to the so signings, far. man. Pittsburgh Penguins yeah. have re-signed forward Jake Gunzel to a five-year, $30 million contract with an AAV, $6 million. Gunzel recorded 17 goals, 19 for 36 points, and 40 games at the time of the signing. I know I've always been kind of skeptical of Jake Gunzel because he I, he always looks like one of those players who's riding shotgun to Sidney Crosby. Mm-hmm. But as he's gone on, I don't think that's the case. I think Jake Gunzel is a very good player in his own right. And this is a good. This is definitely a very good contract for Jake Gunzel. Mm-hmm. He's been another forward, kind of like when we talked about when Carl Hagelin got traded. That for whatever reason, I thought he put up more points than he actually did the previous year. But at the time of the signing, like you said, he was below a point per game. So seems like he's working out pretty good in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and uh, he's putting up points about where you would expect him to. He's still young, and. Yeah, I thought he was just getting the Crosby bump, but I I admit I was wrong. Yeah. Well, you know what, Tim? He's, we're not stubborn enough to admit that when we're wrong. Yeah, he's playing like a first-line player, and that's great money for a first-line player. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some minor league trades. First of all, the Arizona Coyotes have traded defenseman Trevor Murphy to the Anaheim Ducks for forward Giovanni Flore. Murphy recorded five goals, eight assists for 13 points in 27 games for the AHL's Tucson Roadrunners. And Fiore recorded six goals, five assists for 11 points in 23 games with the AHL's San Diego Gulls. I have nothing to say about this trade, but every time I hear about the San Diego Gulls, I feel like it's necessary for me to say that might be one of the lamest team names I've ever heard. Fair enough. The Toronto Police have acquired veteran goalie Michael Hutchinson from the Florida Panthers for a fifth-round pick. Hutchinson went 1-1-2 with a .839 save percentage for the Florida Panthers. Toronto's just been in a weird goalie situation this year. They have. Yeah, and between losing two to the waiver wire, although I don't think they actually miss Calvin Pickard that much, seeing how he's been playing in Philadelphia. But, uh, yeah, that plus injuries has put them in a weird place. Hutchinson is kind of like the Condon move that the Senators did back in 2016-2017. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. And, unfortunately, hasn't been great for them. Nope. But, what are you going to do? It's what you got with what you can get. Yep. Hey, Toronto, maybe if he didn't sign for John Tavares, maybe he could have had the money to get out and go to get a real goalie. Maybe, maybe. But, uh, who's to say? Yeah. Tim, are you ready to talk about our Lord and Savior, Eric Carlson? Yeah. Is he playing? Nope, he got suspended two games for his hit on LA Kings rookie Austin Wagner. The hit was deemed an illegal hit to the head, and this is Carlson's first suspension. 
Now, this is really surprising because when I saw the play, we've seen Carlson make these hits in Ottawa. We saw it in the playoffs. We saw it in the regular season. The only difference was is that he did hit the head. Yeah. It's definitely it's one of those hits where the league has ignored it before, but it is a hit to the head, and it does deserve those sorts of plays should be suspended. Exactly. Well, Tim, I guess it's time to go on and talk about the top of the hour news stories for December 30th to January 5th, so last week. We'll start off with the Edmonton Oilers have traded defenseman Chris Weidman and a conditional third to in 2019 to the Florida Panthers for defenseman Alex Petrovic. Petrovic recorded one assist in 26 games for Florida, while Weidman recorded two assists in five games for Edmonton after being traded earlier in the season by the Ottawa Senators. To be fair, the fact that uh, Shirley was able to tra- turn a sixth into a different pick is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But it's not a big trade. And Weidman's trade value I, has plummeted pretty hard this season, let's be honest. Yeah, and I mean, Weidman was one of those guys coming into this season where I thought, okay, you know, we might have a solid 6th to 7th defenseman, then Ubergate happened, then he got traded, then traded again. So, are you, so Tim, do you may see in the next couple of months that Chris Weidman could be traded again for the third time? Well, if no one took him for free, I can't really see him being traded at all. Like, this is a zero value sort of thing. Then again, like, we said the same thing about Tom Pyatt, and he's gone. He gone. Oh, he gone. we're going to talk about that here pretty soon, buddy. Yeah. But the weird thing is, is like Chris Weidman has always been this player that's shown he has the ability to play, the ability to do the right things. I'm just surprised that he really wasn't given the time of day. Although, this year hasn't been the strongest for him. No. No, we'll be the first to admit to that, right? Yeah. yeah. Although, to be fair, he's been playing kind of crap. Yes, he has. Let's go on to our and, next story, man. Infamous yeah. player agent Alan Walsh made waves following his comments on social media stating he is unhappy with the treatment of his client, Michael Forlick, of the Calgary Flames, while implying that Flames head coach Bill Peters could be attempting to run his client out of town. Weird. Yeah. Forlick was one of the ones that they picked up with the... Uh, the Hamilton trade, right? I don't think so. No, I think uh, Froelich has been with them for a couple of years now, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, yeah, you're right. I always screw up who they pick, picked up or picked. Wasn't then. it uh, Hamilton? No, Hamilton and Elias Lindholm. Yes, you're right. Yeah, Froelich's been with them for a while. Yeah, because Noah Hannafin went the other way to Calgary. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, again, hard to say. Uh. I haven't really been watching Frolic this season, but one thing to note, like, it'll be interesting to see, uh, does his ice time change at all, or? I don't know. Maybe. Because there has been a significant change in his ice time between this year and last year. Like, we're going from first, second line minutes to third, fourth line minutes, going from about 17 minutes a game to 12. Yeah. With much more variance. So, his ice time has been heavily reduced. Yeah, so maybe these comments could get him a bump in ice time. Or get him moved out of town. This yeah. could just be negotiation through the media. Yeah, probably. 
So today we're going to talk about a sad story, and we're actually going to talk about one of your favorite players. Columbus Blue Jackets captain Nick Foligno has taken a leave of absence from the team while his daughter Melina recovers from a serious surgery. This is the second time Foligno has taken a leave of absence from the team this season. It's a rough situation, and honestly, hope them all the best. Yeah, that's all that we can wish him for, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. New Jersey Devils goalie Eddie Lack has been shut down for the remainder of the season following a surgical procedure designed to repair the damage done to his hip. Lack had a 2-3 record with a .863 save percentage this season for New Jersey. Yeah, it's, uh, that's rough. Yeah, I mean, and you know what? New Jersey's really struggling in goal right now, even though Keith Kincaid has been doing okay, but they really need Schneider to regain his form. Yeah, be surprising. It'd be sad to see Schneider out, but maybe not surprising. Mm-hmm. Well, Tim, I know one thing for sure, that our bods, Neil and David, are going to be really excited to hear this one because an NHL outdoor game is coming to Saskatchewan. What? What? Yeah. The NHL has announced that an outdoor game featuring the Calgary Flames and the Winnipeg Jets will take place at Mosaic Stadium in Regina, Saskatchewan on October 26th. This is the first outdoor game held in Saskatchewan, while this will be the second outdoor game for both Winnipeg and Calgary. That's really cool. Yeah. That's a solo in seconds, isn't it? Probably. I mean, in fairness, I'm actually surprised that Edmonton wasn't chosen, given that I think Edmonton's closer to Saskatchewan, but Calgary, how far is Calgary away from Regina? It's got to be several hours. Uh, I want to say it's probably about a day's drive. Maybe a bit less. Yeah, I can have a look here real quick. Yeah, it's, it's a significant drive. I know that. Yeah. But, uh... Drive time, it's about, uh... Yeah, just over seven hours. Yeah, so it's a significant amount of time. But, yeah, then again, it's like... I think Calgary and Edmonton are kind of... They're on this pretty much the same meridian, if I remember correctly. So they're about the same distance. Mm-hmm. Like, Edmonton's closer to Saskatoon, while Calgary's closer to Regina. Yeah, because I just looked it up on Google. Apparently, the difference between Edmonton to Regina and Calgary to Regina, 20 minutes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Exactly 20 minutes, buddy. Yeah, so, like, you could stop, you could stop for a bite and miss it. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about some Ottawa Senators news. The Ottawa Senators have acquired goalie Anders Nielsen and forward Darren Archibald from the Vancouver Canucks for goalie Mike McKenna and and Tom Pyatt. Oh my god, Tim, they actually did it? They traded Tom Pyatt away? The coach's kid is gone. This is too much oh. to handle, Tim. It's too much to handle. I can't believe it happened. I know. But uh, as far as this trade goes for Ottawa... I think I like it. I, people are wondering why Ottawa had to give away the pick. This is so Vancouver would take Ottawa's trash. I like the look at Nielsen. His overall save percentage isn't great, but his work at 5-on-5 five five has been pretty good this season. Yep. He's just behind a pretty terrible Canucks team. Yeah, and we'll talk about that more in the game when we get to that. Uh, just to finish this off, Nielsen recorded a 3-8-1 record with a .895 save percentage, and Archibald recorded one goal, one assist for two points in nine games for Vancouver, while McKenna recorded a 1-4-1 record with a .897 save percentage, and Pyatt recorded two assists in 37 games for Ottawa. None of those players are seeing the NHL again. Nope. Well, that's not true. I mean, McKenna's with the Flyers. 
That was fast. Yeah. Pittsburgh Penguins captain Sidney Crosby surprised a fan of the New York Rangers who had been chirping at him all night following their game with a signed stick that said, Good chirps, take it easy on me next time. I really like that Sid did that. I know. I, I saw that and I was like, you know, as much as I am not a Crosby fan, I really had a good chuckle with that. Well, to be fair, Sid has always had a good sense of humor. Yeah, it's just, well, he's not like Jonathan Taves, who is so serious with the media, right? And I guess, and you're right, Crosby is a little more, has a little more of a sense of humor with the fans and as, with the media than you know. that he can't act in, in that one ad, but whatever. Yeah, but you know what, there's nothing he can do about that, right? True, true, true. Yeah, man. Well, Tim, are you ready to go on to our next story? Ooh, what is it? St. Louis Blues have acquired goalie Jared Cornu from the Anaheim Ducks for future considerations. Cornu recorded a 3.62 record with a .895 save percentage, once again for the AHL San Diego Gulls. Bad name, bad name, bad name. But also, uh, do they get like a, pe- a case of beer for those future considerations, or how does this work? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe they got some... San Diego Chargers gear. I don't. Oh wait, there. That's right. They're not in San Diego anymore. Right. Awkward. Maybe they got it on sale. Yeah, maybe. Maybe or they, got, they got it. Hey, maybe we got tickets to the San Diego Padres. Maybe are they still there? Yes, they are. They are still a team, Tim. Wow. Much like the Ottawa Senators are a team. Thanks. Thanks, Pierre. Thanks, Pierre. Okay, let's head to our next story. Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, was, hold on a second. Vegas Golden Knights. I knew you couldn't go a whole episode without that. No, I couldn't. Vegas Golden Knights have traded defenseman Jimmy Ogilvy to the St. Louis Blues for future considerations. Ogilvy recorded one assist in 16 games for the AHL's Chicago Wolves. So not the San Diego Gulls, the Chicago Wolves. Yeah, this is another one of those never see the light. NHL light of day sort of things. Yeah. Thinking about that, apparently uh, the first guy the night signed, signed that Reed Duke guy who was the only guy not named guy Yeah, on their first roster, apparently he's starting to actually be a decent AHL player. So, oh, yeah? to him. Nice. Let's go into our next story. And this one's kind of heartbreaking given that, you know, we all know what happened to Canada and the World Juniors. Uh-huh. Finnish hockey stick company PAMA made the news following Finland's upset over Canada in the 2019 World Junior Hockey Championships when they sent Canadian defenseman Noah Dobson a brand new stick after his stick broke on a one-timer which would have won it for Canada. PAMA also sent a letter stating they wanted to give Dobson the stick as a gift for a great hockey game and also stated they felt sorry his stick gave out on him at the worst possible time. Now I know some people on Twitter were saying that this is kind of shitty of the hockey stick company to do it, and, oh, that's kind of cheeky they did this. Honestly, I think it's a sign of sportsmanship. I think I really like this. I really don't know what to think about it one way or the other, to be honest. But I saw it, and I was like, oh, you know, because that Dobson shot, that, could, that would have gone in, no problem. Yeah? Yeah, that's true. Still heartbreaking mm-hmm. and you know what finland ended up winning the world juniors so can't really complain that or not true tim no we lost at least 
yeah, given that we were talking about Mike McKenna earlier, his wife, Rachel McKenna, actually made the news when she made a thread on Twitter following her husband's trade from Ottawa to Vancouver, explaining how grateful she is to see Mike live out his dream playing in the NHL while sharing heartbreaking details on the toll his career has taken on his two young children. Now, I actually got a chance to read this thread, and it's pretty heartbreaking to read. In what sense? Well, you read that because he has a young daughter, and she cries thinking that her daddy doesn't love her anymore because he hasn't been home in two months because he's been on the road playing, and he hasn't got a chance to come home, and they can't under... Well, you understand, the kids are very little, right? So they can't understand why daddy can't talk to them for very long on the phone. Stuff like that. I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh, that hurt. It's hurt. Yep. Yeah, I'll dig that up. I guess I missed it back when, like, when it was available. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Maybe I'll tag you that on Twitter, and then you can have a look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Well, let's go on to our final story. Following the social media attack against Team Canada, most and most notably, Maxime Comtois, after failing to score on a penalty shot, Penguins captain Sidney Crosby came to their defense and offering advice to Komata and Team Canada. This whole thing was shitty, though. Yeah, that's just not right, man. And you know what? Given that they, they're young kids playing for their country, you know, you got to understand, these kids feel so heartbroken that they lost, especially on home soil. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I guess, like, the like it's rough, too, because, like, I feel like it's it's not just people making fun of, like, a screwed-up field goal kick, like uh, it's the case with the Bears kicker. Oh, like, my was, God. You know what's stuff. funny? My buddy Trey called me last night. He's like, man, did you watch that game last night? Uh, the, the, did you just watch this game? I was like, uh, no, I, I didn't. And he said that the kicker, it hit the post, off the crossbar and out, and I was like, oh. Yeah, and he got, he just got chewed up on Twitter with people just with all the hot takes, but at least it was still sort of good-spirited. Well, this stuff with Comtois really wasn't. No. No, it's really shitty, and you know what? Like I said, I went to see Team Canada play, you know, play Russia on New Year's Eve, and even though we lost... I walked out going, you know what? Russia outplayed us. We had no, even if we won that, we had no business winning that game. Mm-hmm. It's a shame, but I guess at least they're having fun. Exactly. Well, Tim, I guess that wraps up top of the hour for this episode. So that means let's head on into the games. Now we got five games to talk about this evening, so we're going to do this real quickly. We've got... The Sens versus the Islanders, Capitals versus the Senators, Senators versus the Blue Jackets, Canucks versus the Senators, and that's going to be a good game to, watch, to talk about, and the Wild versus the Senators. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. Okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Sens versus the Islanders. This is a 6-3 Islanders victory. Sens goals were scored by Mark Stone, Matt Duchesne, and Cody Ceci. Islander goals were scored by Matt Barzello 2, Josh Bailey, and Anders Lee. Shots were 38-27 for the Islanders. Mark Stone scored first to make it 1-0 Senators after stealing the puck. Matt Duchesne makes it 2-0 after deking out the defense. Josh Bailey scores to make it 2-1 after McKenna coughs up the puck to Barzell. Ceci speeds into the zone and snipes at top shelf to make it 3-1 Senators. Anders Lee scores to make it 3-2 after Nick Paul can't control the puck in front of the net. 
Johnny Poichuk scores to tie the game at three with a point shot that was screened. Barzell gives the Islanders a 4-3 lead. Barzell gets a second of the night to make it 5-3 Islanders after Stone failed to clear it. And Zakikis hits the empty netter to make it a 6-3 final. Now, you're going to notice this is quite a pattern in these games. I had to condense watch this one because I was at my cousin's for an all-day gaming and drinking session that day. So let's get right into it. Mike McKenna, 33 saves, a .868 save percentage. He honestly should have had some of those shots. For sure. And you can definitely tell this is a game of two acts. Act one, the Senators come out and play a really good first They play a very good first period. Act two. They can't, half, they can't hold the lead. They continue to play well. Then the lead, the Anders Lee goal really is the goal that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. Like, the Sens look just completely out of it from then on. They can't get any... It doesn't seem like they can get anything going. And you can even see it as the shot tied really starts to swing towards the Islanders as they press for the rest of the game. Yeah. I feel really bad for Nick Paul. Mm-hmm. And, the one, and that's the one thing that I noticed in the game is that the Senators, I thought they looked terrible, especially after taking the 3-1 lead. And what you just mentioned with the two-act... How the how the like you're saying right the centers play in two acts that really makes a lot of sense. Uh, the one note I want to make is Matt Barzell with his two goals and an assist. I thought he looked really good in this game. He really did, and what's phenomenal is uh, outside, like the Islanders played the Leafs the next night, yep. and they took whatever big dick energy they got from that second and third period of this game, and went and just massacred the Leafs with it. Barzell ended up with a hat trick, if I remember correctly. Nope. Uh, oh, against the Leafs. Yeah, against the Leafs, it was fucked. Oh, okay. I was talking about. The, I thought you were talking about the Islanders. I was like, no, he didn't do that, Tim. Oh no, no. But like, I just mentioned goals. that he had two goals. Like five goals in two nights. No, holy shit. Oh, they found their moon juice and just fucking went with it. Yeah, man. So, Tim, do you want to? Uh, do you have any more comments to make, or should we go on to our second game? I guess I felt. I feel bad for Nick Paul. He in his limited ice time he actually did other than that mistake he played very well like he controlled the shots and wasn't getting victimized all that often and even on that play I felt like he was a little handcuffed mm-hmm. by a bad pass but what are you going to do uh, he got sta- pretty much stapled to the bench after that and yeah he saw seven minutes of him and PRV saw seven minutes of ice shame and Shabbat only saw nine for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Capitals versus Senators. This is a 3-2 Capitals victory. Capitals scores are scored by Tom Wilson, Tyler Lewington, and Madison Bowie. Senators goals are scored by Colin White and Mark Stone. Shots for 33-24 for the Ottawa Senators. Tom Wilson gets Washington on the board first to make it 1-0 on a cross-ice pass. Tyler Lewington scores to make it 2-0 Capitals on a screenshot. Madison Bowie scores to make it 3-0 Caps. Colin White squeaks one in to make it 3-1, and Mark Stone snipes one home to make it a 3-2. Unfortunately, would be the final. Now, I had to condense watch this. I'm not going to lie, I was hungover from the previous night, because it's, you know, went to my cousin's, had the all-day drinking session, woke up hungover, so I, didn't get so I had to condense watch this. Uh, Marcus Hogberg, his first start in the NHL, 27, 21 saves, with a .875 save percentage. I'm not going to lie, I didn't think he looked good in this game. The shots he had to face with were 
they were all right down the lane, though. So he was... He didn't look the best, but he wasn't dealing with the easiest shots either. Mm -hmm. Um, This was, again, a tale of two senators. Uh, Washington really puts puts on the drive, and then Washington gets bored and stops playing. But the other thing is, you can really see that the senators rely a lot on Thomas Shabbat. Mm -hmm. And his absence makes this much more clear. Although, to be fair, Max, Max Lejoie and Dylan DeMello stepped up this game, providing a lot of shot support for the Senators. They really enabled Ottawa to get that late push. And in the third, Ottawa, like the late second and into the third, I thought Ottawa did look very good, although there was some disinterest from Washington starting to set in. Okay. Once again, the Tuchuk's white stone line, again, looked really good with white and stone both scoring, and Tuchuk had some solid chances in this game, but was unable to bury it. Yeah, and you can definitely tell Brady Tuchuk's trying to get frustrated with this, but he's still going to the right places, still wreaking havoc, and he's still on the right side of the shot chart, which is pretty impressive for a rookie playing for this fucking team. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's, if he keeps doing the right things, it's going to happen. Yeah, and actually one comment I want to make, given that you were just talking about the Senators looked good in the third period, Phoenix Copley, again, was the reason that Washington won this game, because he absolutely stoned Ottawa, from what I saw. Oh, 100%. But uh, when it, the thing is, is the team, the team in front of them let it happen. Like, they just, you could tell they just didn't care about this game. Yeah, it's a shame, right? Because I understand that. I think this was the game that they were playing. Were they playing back-to-back nights? No, yeah, that's right. They were playing back-to-back nights, and then the Blue Jackets game that we're going to talk about next was the third and four nights. Yeah. Speaking of which, Tim, Sens versus Blue Jackets. This is a 6-3 Blue Jackets victory. Sens goals are scored by Ryan Zingle with two and Bobby Ryan. Blue Jackets goals are scored by Pierre-Luc Dubois with two, Zach Rowinski with two, Cam Atkinson, and Josh Anderson. Shots with 35-26 for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Ryan Zingle scores on the wide-open net to make it 1-0 after some puck movement from Tierney and White. Warninski ties the game at 1 with nobody covering on the four side. Pierre-Luc Dubois scores on the rebound to make it 2-1 Blue Jackets. Dubois gets a second of the night to make it 3-1 Blue Jackets after the puck hits CC skating in. I actually kind of felt bad for CC on that one. Bobby yeah. Ryan scores to make it 3-2 after he tips in the boat Bodker shot, which goes off David Savard and in. Ryan Zingle gets a second of the night to tie it at three on the cross-ice pass with nobody covering him. Wierenski gets a second of the night to make it 4-3 with a tip in front of Hogberg. And Atkinson and Anderson both score on the empty netter to make it 6-3 Blue Jackets final. I had to condense watch this. I talked about it in the beginning of the episode. I was in Vancouver watching Canada play Russia. Marcus Hogberg, 32 saves, a .889 save percentage. I actually don't put, I don't entirely put the blame on it for this game as a couple of those shots, there was not much he could do on that, especially the CC one. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is Columbus lived in the slot. Ottawa played a really, really bad defensive game here. Mm-hmm. And that's what I noticed, even watching it on the condensed game, was that you could see the crisp passes and the Blue Jackets were constantly moving and the Sens were standing there like, oh shit, what did we do? Pretty much. Like, the only senators on the right side of the shot clock were Matt Duchesne and Bobby Ryan. The rest of the senators really didn't show up to play. Harper and CeCe got crushed, being matched against the top line, and 
it wasn't pretty. When the Senators tied up the game at 3-3, there was this feeling of, we might be able to drag a point out of this, but we don't deserve it. Yeah. This was a hard game to watch because the Senators weren't in it. I had a hard time focusing on this game, to be honest. Yeah, and I think even for me, when I watch games like this, I constantly have to have something playing in the background, say on YouTube. I'm usually either watching a wrestling video or I'm watching something that kind of, so I can keep my focus on both. Um, Ottawa's defense, as you were saying, not much help, especially for their goalie, Ryan Dezingle with two goals. I thought he looked somewhat decent enough for the pl- game he played. But the one note I want to make was Sergei, oh, hold on a second, Sergei Bobrovsky with 22 saves and a .880 save percentage. He didn't exactly look sharp out there for the Blue Jackets. Oh, God, no. In Ottawa's shot selection, he basically let in the only difficult shots Ottawa managed to get at him. Uh, and not only was Ottawa's shots not good, they weren't high in number. Like, 25, 25 shots is a below-average outing. Yeah, and especially, and like I said, I didn't get a chance to watch the whole game. But from what I saw, I'm watching, like, Wow, Bobrovsky doesn't look very good in this game. No. Um, another thing I want, we're going to be talking about, probably not this one immediately, but in the next few games, our magic number six, and our magic seven defenseman. Yeah. But it, it's going to start. Uh, I really wish Boucher would stop this whole 11-7 nonsense. I mean, same Z's, but what are you going to do? Yeah. Let's go into our fourth game. Canucks versus Senators. This is a 4-3 to three Canucks overtime victory. Canucks goals are scored by Elias Patterson with three goals, including the OT winner. Sven Berchi. Sens goals are scored by Matt Shane, Christian Milanen, and Mark Stone. Shots were 45-33 for the Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver dominated Ottawa throughout most of this game with their speed and puck movement, which burnt the Senators on a number of occasions. Despite this, Ottawa, Vancouver would take their foot off the gas in the third, which helped Ottawa tie it, only to lose it in overtime. So, this is my note I have for Elias Pettersson. It goes, Elias Pettersson, dot, dot, dot. Oh my fuck. Three goals. This kid is the real deal. Went around three players on his first rush. Yeah, that was Blocked. I watched that, and even I put it up on Twitter. I was just like, "This is my because it was this is my first time ever watching Elias Pettersson in an actual game," and I was I sat there like, "Wow, oh my god, the Canucks have somebody with this kid," because yeah. watching him out there now, a younger generation wouldn't maybe have seen him live. He reminds me he has the flair and he has the speed of somebody like a Pavel Burry. The guy just goes around everybody. And he's got and he's got fucking rocket boosters attached to his skates to boot. I know. Like I'm going to be seeing the Canucks play the Sharks here next month, and while I'm very excited to watch Eric Carlson play, Elias Pettersson has really caught my eye in Vancouver. That kid, wow! Like, and I even put it up on Twitter. And uh, Ricky, who's bods with the MSS guys, uh, actually reached out to me and was just like, "I know, right? This kid's really something." You know what wasn't really something? What? Ottawa's seven defensemen. Ugh. All of them, except for maybe Stefan Elliott, fucking sucked. 
all of them ended up in the Cody CC slot. Oh, Jesus. Except, well, Christian Willanen was less bad, but still drilled in on the shot clock. Bait, and we're going to see this in the Minnesota game, but you're seeing, like, a lot of missed plays, not a lot of great communication, slow-footed. I think a good part of that is no consistent line mates because lol seven defensemen. Yeah, and I really yeah. wish, and I, and I agree with everybody on Twitter who's been saying, why hasn't Guy Boucher stopped the 11-7 uh, lineup because it's not working? And I totally agree. When I watch games like this, I'm like, I don't, I don't know if Guy Boucher is too stubborn to admit that he's wrong. Because I know he's now coaching for his job. Because the fans have saying, we want him out. Yeah, but at the other end of it, to be fair, Elias Peterson was, like, Peterson and Horvat were both on fucking rocket fuel. Yeah, and same with uh, Brock Besser, too. Yeah. You were going to do. Yeah, pretty much. The Ottawa defense weren't prepared. They weren't making their plays. Things weren't happening. Ottawa was lucky to even get to overtime in this game. Yeah, and actually, I have actually quite a number of notes on this game, and I want to start with Marcus Hogberg, because he had 41 saves, a .911 save percentage. To me, and I know you'll agree with this, to me, he was the only reason we didn't get blown the fuck out in this game. The Canucks could have just ran away with this game, being like 7 nothing, 8-2, something like that, right? But Hogberg made a lot of really good saves, and I, I thought he played really well in this game. He played bent. Like, he looked heated and sharp. If that's what we're getting out of, if that's what Hogberg can be, when Craig Anderson finally gives up the torch, yeah, Ottawa will be in good hands. On the flip side, Jacob Markstrom really didn't play that good. Actually, you know what's funny is that I have it in my notes. 30 saves, a .909 save percentage. He didn't face a lot of high-risk shots until the third period, but I thought he looked okay. I th- so okay to decent enough, but I'm interested in hearing your your explanation on why you think he didn't play look very good. He just it was kind of shaky. He wasn't really fronting pucks well. Like he didn't seem to be set, and that's why Ottawa was able to get some offense off not a lot of work. Right, and I know that the Canucks defense, who I thought actually played a solid game, shutting down our offense, uh, Ottawa's offense. Again, stifled by the Canucks defense until the third period when they decided to take more shots from the slot. And this is something I noticed in this game was that the the Senators, for the first two periods, were more outside. They were not near anywhere near the slot until they got in there, and that's when they finally were able to snap some home. So were they just, were you suggesting they just weren't being, like the Canucks were boxing them out well? or yeah, like, yeah, the Canucks did a really good job stifling us. But the one thing I noticed is that Part of it was that the Canucks did a good job boxing Ottawa out, but part of it was that Ottawa didn't... It didn't even look like they were trying to get into the slot. They wanted to try and get the shots from outside the slots. Yeah. Do you think that's a coaching thing? Uh... Or a quality of player thing, or... That's a, what do you think's going on That's there? a tough one, because, again, I think it's a bit of both, because you look at the talent the Senators have... Outside of a Mark Stone or a Brady to Chuck, we don't have too many players that would actually do that. I know somebody like um, a Matthew Shane or a Ryan Dezingle 
would more speed in, but we need a guy who's actually in the slot, either to deflect a shot or get a shot off or do something like that. Because, like I said, minus Stone and Chuck, we don't have anybody in the slot doing that. And you could on you could argue Guy Boucher's coaching tactics may have something to do with that, but I think it's also we don't have the talent for that either. Yeah, put that all the big pile of other things the Sens don't have talent for. I know, it's just terrible, man. Yeah. Do you want to go on to our fifth and final game of the evening? Yeah, I think I, I think we beat this one into the ground. Yep. Wild versus Senators. This is a 4-3 to three Wild victory. Wild goals are scored by Jared Spurgeon with two. Uh, I think it's Jared, is it Jared Greenway? Jared Greenway? I think it is. Yeah, sorry, I totally forgot to put his first name here. And Zach Parise. Sens goals were scored by Matt Duchesne, Ryan Dezingle, and Mark Stone. Shots were 27-26 for the Ottawa Senators. A mixed bag game overall. Ottawa started the game out playing Minnesota before momentum swung in favor of the Wild, only to have have it be a somewhat back-and-forth affair for a good chunk of the game. Anders Nielsen, this is his first game as an Ottawa Senator. 22 saves, .846A percentage. He looked terrible in this game. And he let in a couple of really bad goals. Oh, for sure. On the other end of the ice, though, let's see, sorry, brain, brain blanking for a second. Devin Dubnik, uh, during that first period, in a beautiful play by Duchesne. Mm-hmm. Even though Devin Dubnik ended the game with a fairly subpar save percentage, Without Devin Dubnik, Ottawa would have run away with that game in the first. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that Dubnik made some really quality saves in that. And it's a shame I actually didn't put it in my notes at all about that too, Tim. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is this is a this is definitely a matinee game. Yeah. Like, Ottawa came to play, Minnesota didn't, then Ottawa fell asleep. Yeah. And you know what? I think outside of the... Return of Eric Carlson on the first of December. The Senators have not done very well in afternoon games at all. No, and it seems like the set. Well, to be fair, the Senators haven't done very well in many games this year. Let's be perfectly honest. True, but I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, especially when you look at their afternoon games because they look especially terrible in those games. Yeah, so it was nice to see Ottawa really jump on the bit here. Um. It was frustrating that after a really good period by the Senators, I feel like Anders Nielsen let them down a bit. Yeah. Otherwise, the Senators didn't play a bad game. No, and I know it's almost a cliche to bring these guys up, but again, the Chuck White-Stone line, I thought they had another solid game, even though Mark Stone had the only goal, but... Chuck and White had a couple of decent chances in this game, and you could definitely tell that they were trying to create something. Even though he played limited minutes, I really like the look of Rudolph Balsers in this game. No, Balsers uh, didn't play in this game. He played in the Hurricanes game. He, pl- he played this game. Eight minutes. Did he? He didn't play much, but he played. Are you sure, Tim? I, I don't remember what, seeing him in this game. Rudolph Balsers. 7 minutes, 45 seconds. Huh. No goals, no points, negative one. Crazy, okay. But, yeah, I don't remember just actually seeing him in this game. Yeah, he was on the right side of the ice, though, and I think the Sens might have something good in him. Okay. 
Uh, Minnesota, uh, sorry, Tim. Uh, Minnesota's defense, I thought they played a hard-checking game versus Ottawa's defense. Again, Ottawa's defense didn't look very good. One note I do want to mention, and a lot of people on Sense Twitter brought this up, the bad calls by the referees, especially from Tim Peel. The Adventures of Tim Peel. Yeah, they're, they're bad. Yeah. Sorry, what were you saying there before I cut you off, Tim? What, dude? Uh, one defenseman that I thought played actually pretty well was Max Lejoie. Yeah, actually, Lejoie didn't... I, I thought he didn't look too bad out there either. And Cody CeCe wasn't god-awful. So props to him. That's true, because there was times that CeCe was able to jump in the play, and he looked somewhat... I don't want to say confident, but competent is what I want to use, because he looked like an NHL defenseman, kind of. Yeah, which is definitely more than he could say for most of his career. But, uh, yeah, it was... I feel like this is a game that Ottawa could have won, but they didn't. Yeah. I feel like it's one of the few games where they were let down. Yeah, and again, I mean, you know, this is what happens when you have bad goaltending, but your defense also doesn't look great either. Exactly. Yeah. Although... Minnesota wasn't getting the greatest shot selection either. No, but again, that's not Minnesota's game plan. They have a game plan kind of like the LA Kings where it's more of a grinding, hard-checking, close sort of game, right? Where they where a 2-1 game is good. Yeah. Which is surprising because given that it's a that it's a Bruce Boudreau team. Yeah. Cuz that's not how he plays. No. No, and, that, and we saw that in the playoffs, right? Where he chokes on the playoff barbecue. Yeah, no kidding. Although I don't think he's even getting to that barbecue this year. No. Well, Tim, I guess that wraps up the games of this week. Now, do you have anything you want to talk about before we head off into the close? Can we talk about that Duchesne goal? Holy shit. Yes, we can. That it may not be as good as the Philly, the goal in Philly that we'll be seeing for the rest of the year on plays of the year. Yep. But damn, this was a powerful play. I know, because he, he deked around him and he stopped. And he sniped at home. I was like, oh, that's so good. Well, he went through two guys. But also, kudos to Zach Smith to have the presence of mind to get the puck, hold up a second, and see a streaking Duchesne come out of the penalty box. Mm-hmm. Actually, Zach Smith, I thought, played a somewhat okay game in that, too. Yeah, but like that goal doesn't happen without Zach Smith realizing what's going on, and that was a very good pass, and Duchesne did the rest. Mm-hmm. Like that was fantastic. Exactly. But yeah, I think that's it. Sweet. Okay, guys. First of all, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because believe me, Tim and I loved recording it for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We are on iTunes, SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com/slash Third Line Plug Sensecast. And because our bod Dave made the mention, we're on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter at Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M901 Honey Badger, and I'm at Great White Gipster, G R 8 W Y T E Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about the games that we just talked about, you want to mention something we just said on top of the hour, or you just want to shoot the shit, shoot us an email, Third Line Plug Sensecast at gmail.com. Okay, Tim, so we've got four games. For this coming week, we've got the game last night versus the Carolina Hurricanes. Wednesday, we're going to be in Anaheim to play the Anaheim Ducks. Thursday in L.A. to play the Kings. And Saturday 
in San Jose to play our Lord and Savior, Eric Carlson and the Sharks. Oh, dear God. Yep. It's all downhill from here, buddy. Yep, especially without Sh- without Shabbat. Boring. Mm-hmm. Rough times. Rough uh, times. Oh, well, at least we'll, we'll be here to talk about our griefs. No kidding. We'll have our own little support group. It'll be great. Yep. Until next time, guys, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go Sens, guys. Woo! So long, my time here is up. They're going home!